is Friday, October the 30th, 2020. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said podcast. The Dodgers have done it. The Dodgers are the world champions for really the first time in my lifetime. Uh, the Dodgers won the, the World Series in 1988. I was a year and a half old, so can't really tell you that I, I remember what happened then. But I can tell you, I remember what happened just a few days ago when the Dodgers were able to win the World Series and beat the Tampa Bay Rays. Going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk, talk a little Halloween, right? Because we're coming up on, on Halloween weekend. And then NFL Week 8 with Paul Bovey. He joins us. We go through all of the games uh, besides the Thursday game. That Thursday night game have already happened. I'll talk a little bit about the game that happened. We go through everything for the Sunday night, the Sunday games and the Monday night game. And then it'll be some horse racing Golden Gate for Friday Going to be on the menu this week And we're going to talk a little bit about the stable duel Golden Gate contest on Friday I'll give you some horses that I I think you should use there Uh, We'll give you all the info for the stable duel contest this weekend Churchill Downs, some plays for Saturday Couple plays for Del Mar over on Saturday And then obviously our focus is going to be We're already handicapping and looking at all the Breeders' Cup races The pre-entries are out I... Have a uh, very ambitious task ahead. I have 14 guests lined up for the 14 Breeders' Cup races. Going to discuss a race with a different person, give you a ton of different perspectives, and you're going to get my thoughts on each and every one of those races. So, really looking forward to, to what's going on and what's going to be coming up as a. Uh, you know, next week going to be a whole ton of horse racing. We'll still talk football, and then we're going to have a, a Laker celebration show, a Dodger celebration show. We might, do, I might do those both on the same. Where I have an interview, we record with a bunch of different fans that were excited about the titles this year. Celebrate those. The Mandalorian. You can go right now on Disney Plus and watch a new episode of The Mandalorian. I'm going to recap that. On the next episode next week on That's What G Said We're going to get back into talking a little bit more about Some of the you know shows out there Since it'll be a little transition into football News, big news in the world of the NBA it Looks like they're going to be starting right around Christmas time So not nearly the gap that it looked like So just the, the worlds of uh, sports and pop culture They just continue to roll And this is one of my favorite holidays We're coming up on Halloween I absolutely love Halloween. Uh, love the scary movies. Huge, big fan. I've always been into it. Um, used to go through the lists that were made of all the best scary movies and check them off with uh, my buddy. We'd watch all the and and I just I like I enjoy them. They they sort of make me laugh. I was watching some of the Scream movies last night, and um, and then as far as Halloween is concerned, not a scary movie, but always got to throw Hocus Pocus in there. Come Halloween, uh, Halloween time, and and anything. I'm a big fan of it. Um, anything that's uh, you know Stephen King really love. So Halloween time different this year. Not necessarily the trick or treating. When I was young, we used to count. Every house that we would go to and get candy from We were very crazy about it A couple of my buddies and I And so if you know if We didn't get candy from the house, if the lights weren't on Didn't count, we'd have to actually get some candy From the house for it to count And so every year we would try to build On our, our previous total From the year before And it was you know 50, 80 We got to 100 and then it was Every time we'd have to get over 100, 105 110, 112 and we'd be 
all over Temple City, Arcadia, just late. And who's still got their lights on? Who can we get? You know, oh, look, there's a little uh, one of those little side streets where you can go hit four or five houses all the way down. Loved me some Halloween. We are, uh, I'm, I'm recording this on Thursday night. It's me and uh, my uh, my lovely girlfriend, Stephanie, and the little man, Milo, are going to, we're going to carve up our pumpkin on Friday night. We went to the pumpkin patch last week, and that's sort of like a, a rite of passage, right, for the new new kid, new family. And you got to go take the, some of the pictures with the pumpkin patch. There's like a checklist of things you have to do. Pumpkin patch is on there. Um, we'll definitely have the, you know, we had the Santa last year, but obviously we'll do the Santa one again. Um, well, who knows? I don't, I'm not even sure if that's going to be a thing when in the COVID, uh, times, you know, the picture with Santa, who knows? I guess, I guess that's probably not even a thing, right? There's just so many things we're used to, and then you got to stop and, and look back. And, um, so moving on to the Dodgers and I, I know that, one positive of the the Dodgers winning and the Lakers winning both is that now I can shave this playoff beard. I've been growing a playoff beard since the beginning of August when the Lakers clinched their playoff spot, their number one spot in the playoffs. I started growing the beard. Figured, okay, I'll grow it for the Lakers. However long they last in the playoffs, we'll see. So the Lakers end up winning. They make it all the way through to the point where the Dodger playoffs are going. And I'm watching these Playoff games simultaneously with this big gnarly beard. I'm not a really big fan of beards in general, just because it, it's hot, sweaty. I sweat a lot. I'm an Italian guy. I, itchy, you know. But this was a beard with a purpose. This was a beard that was a playoff beard for the Lakers, for the Dodgers, and this beard that has lasted now, what August, September, and October will be will be gone very very shortly, and I can cut. Oh, it's going to take me like an hour and a half to get rid of this thing too. It's so thick and curly. Gray hairs coming on all of it. Oh, that's the dad gray hairs that are coming out. So, playoff beard goes goes down because the Dodgers were able to win. And so many feelings uh, about the Dodgers. And I'm going to talk about what happened with Justin Turner and um, coming out onto the field a little bit afterwards. I want to talk about just the, the, the winning of the World Series first. And we got to see a lot of players and coach Dave Roberts exercise their demons. Even Kenley, who may have struggled, guys like Pedro Baez, who people still roll their eyes when they came in, they all were in a big part of getting this team here. And of course, the one that we all think of is Clayton Kershaw. And we got to see Clayton Kershaw in this playoffs pitch five games, 30 innings, with a 2.93 ERA, a 0.91 whip. He was 4-1. and one. He had 37 strikeouts and 5 walks. And we got to see Clayton Kershaw look like Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. And this was one of the first times where we've we've seen it for a 5-game sample. right? With, with Kershaw, it would be 2 good games and then 1 really bad one. A good game, an eh game. A good game. And it, there were many good games in the mix. Tons of them. But you look at his overall numbers, and they're still not Kershaw numbers. And when you dig into them, you can find out why. He didn't really get put in bad situations this year. In fact, the only bad outing that he had was an outing that he probably shouldn't have been going back out because it was right after he his start had been pushed back due to the back spasms. So we got to see Clayton Kershaw, and 
if Corey Seager wouldn't have been absolutely insane with how hot he was, Kershaw would have been the World Series MVP because the narrative was there for him too. He had two wins in the World Series and Clayton Kershaw now. In my opinion, I said I think he is the most deserving champion that I can remember and probably that I've ever rooted for. And if you think about maybe ever, because think about what this guy had to do. He's he's one of the best pitchers ever, and and definitely in the in the best few of his generation. He's going to go down as an all time great when you look at his stats, his numbers, all of that. He was so good and so consistent year in and year out that it sort of gets taken for granted. And this is one thing that we've seen with LeBron is that. People forget how hard it is just to get to the playoffs. How hard it is to get through a baseball season every year with a with an under three ERA. You can't just snap your fingers and that happens. And so I think a lot of the time Clayton Kershaw was taken for granted for what he did to get the Dodgers there. How come Scherzer's teams aren't there every year or Verlander's team isn't there? Every, but Kershaw was every year. He was the constant. Whether or not he struggled sometimes when he got there, he was always going to get you there, and he never got enough credit for that. And so what's great about this title now for the Dodgers is that it really does feel like it's more than just the title for one year. This is a title for the last decade or so, this entire Clayton Kershaw era of the Dodgers that had the stigma of, oh, this is a team that can't win the big one. This is a team that, what, people would say chokes in the playoffs, right? And no more. Just one win. That's what's great about this is that you're not expected to win every year. Once you win one, and and when you win one the way the Dodgers were able to do it this year with um, balance, um, some players that had had previous, like, like Kershaw, um, and even Bellinger, he struggled throughout overall, but big catches, big moments for him. Um this is this is going to be a huge, um, bigger than winning the World Series, and that I think it just is going to make this group f- moving forward really relax. You got the monkey off your back now, and now this team is set up with Mookie Betts for the next decade moving forward. And look at the rest of the talent on this roster; they're young, they're not going anywhere. You have you know some questions about what are you going to do with Seager? What are you going to do with Justin Turner? Their contracts are up. You're going to resign them. Are they going to go? You're going to bring in somebody else. Who knows? But you are just loaded. Look at the pitching, for example. I saw a stat that said every pitcher that started a game for the Dodgers this season has only been a Dodger in their whole career. How crazy is that? Kershaw, Bueller, Urias, Gonsolin, and May. All only Dodgers. And Kershaw is the only one that you look at that says, yeah, he's probably on the wrong side of his prime. Bueller just showed us and, and and let's be honest For the anxiety that many of us Dodger fans have probably had Through through the years when Kershaw Starts in the playoffs And I, and it's not even his fault You see it's like slow contact And then an error This year finally Kershaw didn't have any of that But it feels like when Walker pitches You don't get any of that He is an absolute Just grab you by the horns Gonna go right after you type pitcher And it, it's it been probably a little bit easier for him Because he had a Kershaw next to him, right? He didn't have to do early in his career What Kershaw was asked to do Come back on short rest You're the guy, you have to do this right now Walker was sort of able to ease into this But now we saw he's not, he doesn't ease into anything Even 
in a year where he struggled throughout the shortened season. And his first playoff starter, he had one or two in there that weren't great. He in the last few games, you could see it how he was able to get himself out of trouble anytime there was remote trouble, and he he's just a top of the line legitimate ace. And then how about Urias? How about Julio Urias? Wow, Julio, who's been he was supposed to be the guy for years. He was supposed to be Bueller before Bueller was even around, and then Julio. Has had some injury issues. They sort of babied Julio too, right? They never wanted to give to really take the the handcuffs off and say, "Go ahead, go throw seven, eight innings and t- throw as much as you can." They they in the last year we finally saw Julio look healthy, and this was the guy who we were expecting all along. So look at the top three pitchers for the Dodgers in the playoffs. Kershaw had th- went 30 innings with a 2.93 ERA. Bueller went 25 innings with a 1.8 ERA. And Julio went 20 innings. He pitched five games. And he had uh, a couple of those games that he was able to close out with a 1.31 ERA and a .73 whip. He had 25 strikeouts to his four walks. So when you have those three at the top of the line... Giving you those performances, it doesn't really matter that May and Gonsolin struggle a little for their, you know, um, their first real big run in the playoffs. And this is gonna get, they're gonna get a lot out of this, both of them. And and then we had a bullpen that had a hiccup or two. Kenley, you know, um, a game or two where he he struggled, but overall he came in and he there were three or four games where he actually looked like the Kenley of old, Trennan. Who had I think just a one really bad blow up game He pitched 11 times Throughout the playoffs And then we got to see Gratterall Who was excellent You know he he came in, in, Into 8 games Even Baez who gets you know He gets a lot of crap His ERA was 3.86 He had a 1 whip He had really the 1 bad game Victor Gonzalez came in and, and, and had some huge outs. Dylan Floro might have saved game six early on when he was able to come in. Alex Wood gave us some really big innings. Joe Kelly was just a steady hand, someone who's been there before. It's just so nice to know you have Joe Kelly there. And then the lefties, Kalerick and McGee, this team won as a team. And then you look through the batting order, right? You had... The incredible performance from Seager Hitting 344 throughout the playoffs How about Jock? Jock, again, we see with Jock Same type of thing with with Jock is that In that he's a gamer He has been one of the, the most clutch Dodgers In recent memory Even when he struggles, he locks in You know that some of the best pitchers They're going to try to throw a fastball by him And they just can't you're not going to get much by Jock on the straight stuff. You're going to have to hope you get ahead of him and make him chase a bad pitch or two. Some big knocks from Jock. Austin Barnes with a quiet, just excellent playoff run. And you could see that Will Smith still has a little ways to go behind the plate and not and not even a knock on Will Smith. It's just that Austin Barnes is so great back there. He's so steady back there. He hit 318. Austin Barnes. He had seven hits in his just 22 at-bats. The home run. Remember the home run in the bunt? 400 on base percentage. Then Mookie, who hit 280. 
284, 372 on base percentage, and Mookie comes alive. And just the thing about Mookie is, you know, when he goes 0 for 3 or 0 for 4, that the next game he's going to come and get a hit right off the bat. You just can feel it. He's just not going to struggle, and he's so steady. He the 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 plays that he made in the outfield. How many robbing of a home run, incredible plays out there, and then on the base path. Getting a great jump every time Multiple times where he's at third Infield hit, he scores because he gets a great jump Right off the bat, he is a true winner Dave Roberts said that Mookie Betts Not only will he contribute to the Dodgers For years to come, but The way he The way he Prepares, his work ethic That trickles down It rubs off on everyone else, and that's going to be Something that Young Dodgers, minor leaguers for years to come are going to see Max Muncy, steady Max again. What an incredible eye he has at the plate. Muncy with a 461 on base percentage. He walked 20 times in the playoffs. Unbelievable. And then JT, he struggled early on in the playoffs. And uh, to start, and then he started to pick things up late. He ends up hitting uh, around 260. And you, when you look at a lot of the Dodger all-time records as far as home runs, hits, RBIs, bats, for in the playoffs are concerned, Turner is uh, the leader in many of them now. Pollock, who who didn't get as many at bats, but it, he was so good all year to help you get here. Kiki with the big hit. Cody struggled, but again, a couple big hits. He was a little banged up, and he's his. Defense was incredible CT, you know what you're going to get from CT With his versatility again And then Will Smith, who only hit under 200 But he probably hit the ball harder than anybody else on the team Was really unlucky Don't forget about a guy like Eddie Rios Who comes in, gets a big knock And he's someone who's going to get more and more at-bats In the years to come Just so happy that this Dodgers team was able to To put it all together And win the World Series and so I can feel very happy about that, but also feel really uh, disappointed and a little bit upset with what what happened with Justin Turner. And now keep in mind, this is I'm, I'm recording this late Thursday night. Justin Turner still hasn't talked about what he was doing after the game. So if you missed it, I'm sure most of you you saw what happened in the seventh inning of the Dodger game World Series. Dodgers Rays. Justin Turner was removed from the game. The MLB immediately told the Dodgers that he had a positive test from the day before Where he tested positive for the coronavirus So Justin Turner's removed from the game He's back in the locker room And the Dodgers end up winning the game And the team comes out to celebrate And then Justin Turner's on the field after the game Apparently he had told security guards and people who had tried to stop him that you know, he was not going to be stopped and he wanted to go back out on the field to celebrate with everyone else. There are pictures of him out there without the mask. He is hugging people, sitting right in the big group of everyone. Um, he gives his wife a kiss on the field. And now a lot of um, a lot of the rebuttal has been, well, these are a lot of people that he had been in with the bubble for a while. Yes and no. Um, after testing positive and knowing that he came back out, there were... You know, uh, broadcasters from Fox that were out on the field. There were people that did the presentations, all sorts of things that happened. And I, I have been very cautious about this all along. I, you know, 
it's sort of divided. A lot of people don't think this is that big of a deal. I guess if you've if you had friends and people that you know that have passed away, you probably feel a little bit differently. If you're someone who is like me, who is a former cancer survivor, um, I can't really put myself into a position to say, oh, I got it, but I'm probably going to get over it because I it probably wouldn't happen to me. As someone who has respiratory issues and and pre-existing conditions, I would be more prone to get it and not be able to overcome it. So this is something that I've had to deal with quite a bit, um, stay in. I'm sure many of you have done the same thing. Think about how many of uh, you personally have had to miss uh, a birthday, a big celebration, a graduation, a year of sports for one of your kids in, in a big moment for any one of them, for your friends, Um that's what bothers me a little bit about what happened here. Justin Turner wanted to celebrate with this team, with uh, his friends that have been through the ups and the downs. He's been the heart and soul of this team for so long. This was selfish. And think you know, the, the virus doesn't care that you won the World Series. It doesn't care that, that that's your buddy and that, that this is just probably going to be a great moment. And we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope that nothing more comes of this. But I, I thought as someone who is a huge fan of Justin Turner, and obviously I love the Dodgers and I'm very happy they won, I was very disappointed at what happened afterwards. And if there's any suspension that comes down, I think I think it's warranted, uh, whatever it's given. Uh, what I, I don't think a Major League Baseball will do that is because if they do that, they'll sort of be saying, we screwed up. And we've seen Major League Baseball with the cheating stuff with the Astros, with really any anything that goes on they don't want to act like there's any problems because it makes them look bad as the governing body of a you know of chaos so i just wonder what if the rays come came back after this positive test and then they had to play we had to play a game 7 justin turner obviously couldn't play what about everybody else that had been around him did they have to quarantine what what do you do could you imagine what would have happened if and I guess we keep our fingers crossed that we just that we knock on wood that we didn't have to get to that point. But really disappointing. And I I I want to hear more from Justin Turner. I want to hear more about this situation because none of this fits the character of Justin Turner and everything that we've known of this guy. He is like a great team leader. He early this year he was one of the the biggest advocates on the Dodgers of. Making specific rules for the Dodgers, they implemented their own rules more than what the M- what MLB was making them do as far as wearing masks, how they had to wear masks all over the place, all around. They wanted to make sure that they didn't screw anything up this year because they felt like they had a team good enough to win the World Series. They did. They didn't screw up anything throughout the year until right at the very end and afterwards. And it's frustrating as a fan because I wish that this was not a conversation out there. I wish that this it wasn't, but no matter what, do I want the Dodgers to win? Absolutely. Is this going to be one of the best moments of Justin Turner's life? Winning? Absolutely. But does that mean it's bigger than what's happening around the world with people dying all over the place and getting sick? It's not, which is you know unfortunate. So we'll keep monitoring the situation. And if we hear more, like anything, I try not to react too much to till I hear till till I let a story play out. I like to hear everything about it, and then I'll I don't mind. Uh, Having an aggressive uh, opinion one way or the other Just a, a bummer For a guy who's been a great Dodger And he doesn't feel like someone who is Would say oh I don't care what happens To any one of you I just want to celebrate with my team Right now so I 
I would like to hear a little bit more of this story, and maybe he does come out and say I'm sorry, and I got caught up in the moment. But again, the apology, sure, it matters afterwards because you 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 get a sense of uh, you know intent and what 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 was going on in in someone's head. But if somebody gets sick, it doesn't matter, right? That's the point of all of these precautions and being in the bubble and everything. So Dodgers win, but in a very 2020 way. Immediately after the World Series, we're not even talking about the World Series. We're again talking about coronavirus. So, hopefully, uh, we we get more to this story and, and we can you know give give the the team the Dodgers their their fair due because they were the best team in baseball this year. They shortened season wouldn't have changed anything. I mean, we can't. It's hard to say. Oh yeah, another hundred games, but these were the best teams. In fact, there were even more teams that made the playoffs this year, an extra round of playoffs for the best teams to have to go to through. And look who the Dodgers beat. They beat a Padres team that many thought was the next best team in the National League. They beat a Braves team that they proved they were the next best team in the National League. That was a very, very good baseball team. And then the Dodgers beat the team that was the best team in the American League, the Rays, the Rays who beat the Yankees and the Astros, who most people thought would be would have were probably the next best team. So it felt like the best team won this year, and in in all sports, really, it didn't feel like any of the results were fluky or were different because of the way the seasons were. Really felt like uh, the 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 cream did rise to the top in most situations, and the Dodgers have done it. Before we get into NFL Week Eight with Paul Bovey, want to remind you again about Thrive Fantasy. Another big week coming up at Thrive Fantasy. So there are. The contest where you're choosing your over or unders, $25 to enter, $2,750 to the first place participant, and $12,000 plus in guaranteed prizes. When you use the promo code GINO to sign up, you, you can get an instant deposit bonus up to 50 You got to do 20 but anything between 20 and 50 you sign up, promo code Gino, you'll get an instant credit right back into your account that you can get involved in, uh, enter in all of these contests. You're going to see me in there. That's what G said. I love playing in those Thrive Fantasy contests. Download the app, Thrive Fantasy. If you have any questions about it, let me know. Love to help you out. On to NFL Week 8. Paul Bovey joins me. Now, we recorded this Early on Thursday morning, there were some before a lot of the Thursday injury stuff came out. So you hear us, you know, talking about this player may miss or this one may may. So if that information has changed a little, just uh, just know we were recording early Thursday morning, and the big the big one that we didn't know about and we hadn't heard about yet was Julian Edelman for the uh, the Patriots. So um, the, an injury there to to keep an eye on. Remember this week too. Look at the injuries like always. Look at the weather. Something we discuss when we go game by game. Paul Vovey talking about NFL Week 8. Week 8 in the NFL. We are back here on That's What G All of the Sunday and then the Monday night game. Joining us again, I believe the second time this year. Probably the fourth or fifth time at least back here on That's What G Said. One of my favorite people to talk NFL with and really to talk uh, anything with. This is one of the better Professional handicapper gamblers you will find out there um, Contributes for Vegas Insider You've probably heard him on VSIN um, Covers You dabble all over the place Paul, how you doing buddy? 
Yeah, Gino, I'm doing well. I, I actually do spread myself a little thin, but I managed to get it done, and it's great to be here. I love being on your show, Gino. You do a wonderful job, spectacular. And it's been, you know, someone who's a, a sports fan all over the place. What a, a few months we've had as far as just a different time and probably an, an era of a couple months that we'll never really see again where we just went through you know the NHL, the Stanley Cup. We just had the NBA Finals uh, trophy awarded. We just saw the World Series finish a few days ago. We had golf tournaments, big ones that were pushed back. It it sort of feels like it's starting to settle back in now because now it's really football for the next couple months at least. College in the NFL. Yeah, Gino, and it's it's a great time for you because oh, man. Let's, let's be realistic. <laughs> uh, you know, the Dodgers winning it all, the Lakers winning it all, and I, you and I have gone back and forth on the Lakers, and it was a, a, a jovial type of banner, but you know, these things happen during the heat of the battle. And uh, anyway, I, I'm not sure when the next time the uh, Lakers and the Dodgers will win in the same year. I'm waiting for the Knicks to just get one. Yeah. But it, it's going to be a long time coming. My little spoiled son is going to be hearing about this for years, right? He had to wait the, the 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 nine, ten months to get a Laker title, and then he had to wait another two, three weeks to get a Dodger title. So that's what's cool is that I uh, was talking with my, my girlfriend, and when he was born, that night he was born, I'm, I'm sure you saw, I had the pictures of we were watching the Suns game. It was like the fourth or fifth game of the season in, in November, and we were watching it right there, and I had the phone up in the background with him. So that's what was cool is that – uh. You know, in a year like where it's been, a, it's been a lot of struggle. I know this was, you know, just a little bit of normalcy, right? Getting to getting to watch our teams root for our teams, even even people who would be rooting against the Dodgers and the Lakers at this time, it felt normal. It felt normal for the people out there that oh, choke playoff Kershaw, and then he's able to come back, and we see LeBron and back and forth. So, um, just normalcy in a crazy world is always nice, Paul, and it feels like we're sort of getting now. You know, into that the swing of the football season, we're like halfway through about right now, coming up on week eight. And the one thing that I think is very important for uh, a lot of the people that are listening to us to remember when you're making your plays this week, um, and in in the weeks moving forward, weather is going to start to become a major factor in a lot of these games. That's exactly right, you know. And uh, you know what happens in, in the middle of the season here. Is that you see less and less jerseys around of specific teams? Like you're not going to see any people wearing jet jerseys, probably for the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, it's the like Cowboys it, ones are going to be going in the uh, closet right now too for a while. Amazing, and the the Cowboys uh, at one point their paraphernalia, uh, wardrobe, whatever was the best selling. Out there, but of course, uh, that's going to die down. They've been an embarrassment, as have the Jets. And this is what happens in the NFL. Interest wanes for some of these fans because, unfortunately, their teams are not performing up to expectation. But the season is in full swing, as you say. We're we're uh, coming up on week eight, and uh, it's been a it's been a pretty good season. Yeah. And uh, I think what's great also about college football is you now have these conferences getting started so as you're getting into the teeth of the season for some of them now you got other teams just starting out so this is going to continue onward 
through December, and it's going to be an exciting time for the next few months. Yeah, really looking forward to it as someone who's a Pac-12 fan and a USC fan. You know, we haven't even played a game yet, and in my college, um, because I've had maybe a little more focus on the Lakers and the Dodgers and what was going on there, I'm going to now really take a big, you know, look at what's going on every week on Saturdays and in the college landscape. So uh, we'll be shifting a little bit here in our coverage uh, as, as NFL definitely takes center shape and we get ready for NFL Week Eight. And the first game we're going to open up with Paul is uh, the Colts at the Lions. I think this one is out there. Colts, you can get. Two and a half. It's a three in some spots. The total is around fifty. Colts are four and two straight up, three and three against the spread. Lions three and three straight up, uh, three and three against the spread. The spread looks like Desmond Trufant maybe out for the Lions, which could be key. And the Colts could be getting a, a major player returning, Darius Leonard, who is going to be returning. It looks like he's the third rate, uh, highest rated linebacker by Pro Football Focus. He's an absolute stud. Him returning, possibly Pittman Jr. returning. Colts coming off a buy in here. And I know you were pretty vocal about that gift victory the Lions got last week because of. Uh, of the the girly kind of gaff at the very end of that game. Oh, did you hear me bitching about that somewhere? You know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. it was very. I mean, for someone who's done the the right thing before, we've seen girly make that right play before, and and it was just a a moment a momentary lapse because they gave the Lions the entire opportunity to win that game. If you just suck the life out of the clock and kick a field goal, you go home and you win. You know, look, I I didn't complain last year, even though his uh, slide went against me. I understand sports and doing the right thing. And he did the right thing. Mm -hmm. So all I want out of this is consistency. Do it again. (laughs) That's it. Just just give me my fair share here. And I had Atlanta on the money line from the start. And I began whittling away, taking the other side back. And an Atlanta one, two, three point victory for me was absolutely golden. So uh, it just didn't work out. And to make matters worse, uh, to compound my misery, I had Penn State the day before under in the second half. And we saw the same thing where the running back made a, a veiled attempt at sliding down or stopping himself. But could not do it or would not do it. And hence, uh, you know, the stars were in alignment and the uh, game went over the total in the second half. So, yeah, Gurley really screwed that one up. Uh, No excuse for that one. And uh, we'd be looking at a different result. As far as the Colts game, look, I can't really trust either quarterback here. I don't trust Matthew Stafford. I give the guy accolades for what he accomplished in that Falcon game, taking his team downfield, winning the football game, making clutch throws. But that's not been the uh, the pedigree of the Lions in the last few years. And I'm not sold on their defense. They've gotten a little bit better. There's been some improvement in stopping the run, but that's been their Achilles heel this year. So Indianapolis, two and a half on the road, I can't trust Phillip Rivers. He turns the ball over. This is a game I'm actually going to take a step back, and you make a great point about Darius Leonard because he is the anchor to that defense and stopping the run. So I would lean to the Colts here, but uh, it's not a game I'm going to be on. 
Yeah, I'm on the Colts side also. It feels like too with these two teams, I, I give the Colts a little bit of a boost off the bye being a well-coached team. I think with a little more time to prepare. Um, a good stat for the Lions: they're actually the first team in NFL history not to have a, a fumble in the first six games. So they've actually been doing a, a pretty good job of, of holding on to the ball there. Um, I, yeah, I'd lean Colts in here. Not the strongest uh, opinion, but if I was not, if I was going to take one side, especially at two and a half at that number two and a half, I'd, I'd go to the Colts side. Let's go to Packers Vikings. We talk about games with weather. This could be one of them. The high projected on Sunday is 37 degrees with winds up to 40 miles per hour. Now, that's a key thing this weekend. Not only cold weather, but the winds are really what you want to look at because there's a two or three games where they could be up 40 mile per hour winds. Uh, we actually look like we're going to get uh, Dalvin Cook back for the Vikings. It looks like a cornerback. For the Vikings though will be missing Because he's got, he's been put on the COVID list Aaron Jones has a calf injury here So keep an eye on him um, His status will be um, you know sort of up in the air The next few days Packers minus 7 against the Vikings And this this number has plummeted down to 51.5 Because everybody you know knowing about the weather And the winds and everything out there This this one to me kind of a stay away Because I still I think the, the Packers are, are solid Their defense is horrible I, I, you know, on a normal weather game, I, I would assume these two teams would go up and down and score points on each other, but I can't really get a great feel for this one. Well, it's the second time they played. I, I believe the Packers won the first game. Opening week, opening right? Opening game, yeah. 43, I think it was 43-34. The Vikings got some late points, but I remember because I did take Green Bay. They were a small underdog, and I took it largely on the basis of the Vikings secondary they had mm-hmm. gutted their entire secondary and uh they lost guys like Xavier Rhodes and Mackenzie Alexander and they basically rebuilt it with a bunch of rookies now you made a a point about the secondary here and the guy that's out is Dantzler Holton Hill who has not played since October 4th is questionable he would be key to bring back in here because uh, Mike Hughes it looks like they're going to shut him down for the year. The only true reliable cornerback you have in here is Jeff Gladley, Gladly, who was a first-round draft pick from TCU. He's He's been pretty solid this year. But you could have Boyd in there and a guy named Hand. Those are fifth- and seventh-round picks. And this is a game where Aaron Rodgers will definitely exploit that if he can. Now, 40-mile-an-hour wins – Nobody's throwing the football in 40-mile-an-hour wins if, in fact, that does come to fruition. Uh, you get down to that uh, 25, get get above that 25, and the passing game, the kicking game becomes virtually impossible. So you really have to keep an eye on the weather here because the 40-mile-an-hour win thing is definitely going to benefit the Vikings it will kind of neutralize the effect Mm -hmm. of the weakened secondary here so I would have to keep an eye on the weather here yeah that's a great point make sure you're monitoring this late into Saturday early into Sunday the this spread is was a, a spread that was about 21 a few days ago it looks like it's around 19 and a half now the Chiefs 
Against the Jets over under 49 So the Jets actually covered their first game last week They're 1-6 against the spread now 0-7 straight up The Chiefs are 6-1 straight up 5-2 against the spread You got Le'Veon Bell who just went to the Chiefs From the Jets He's going to be returning I'd imagine they'll try to get him into the end zone And just kind of add a little insult to injury for the Jets But um, I mean you look at this Jets team And just by some of the metrics out there uh, They are really bad They're dead last in DVOA Rankings from football outsiders They have the 20th ranked defense They have the 32nd ranked offense And just to make it even worse Their special teams is horrible They're 30th in special teams This is just a bad football team overall They're last in yards They're last in scoring um, the question you ask with a game like this, though, Paul, is like, how much do the Chiefs care about covering a twenty-point spread here? They could be up by thirty late, and then the Jets could score some garbage here. So, it, it, generally, when we've seen these spreads that get up above the twenty mark, a lot of times they're not covering. When you look through the recent years, too, because it just you, you like the added incentive. What? Why do these teams care about beating a team by twenty-five instead of seventeen? Um, even teasing these big spreads downs a lot of the time haven't haven't worked out all the the best. They've been like five hundred or so if you tease the twenty down to you know you know thirteen or so. Um, I just I usually stay away from these big ones. I think that's typical of pro sports. Same could be said about the NBA. At yeah. some point, uh, the attention span will wane. And the players are thinking about other things. The second unit is in. Mm-hmm. We've seen NBA teams up by 20 and then a favorite by 13. They end up winning the game by 10. However, I'm trying to figure out if the Jets played Clemson at this point, who would be favored? The Jets are really that bad at this point. They and are. it's not entirely their fault in that they've had a lot of injuries. Like Crowder in the first game. Had over 100 yards receiving against the Bills, and he was the majority of Sam Donald's passing offense. Now, Crowder's been out. He was out last week, and then now this week, Perriman might be out. Their left tackle has been in and out of the lineup this year, Becton. Uh, You are faced with the possibility of the Jets having Smith, Berrios, and Mims at the receiving uh, spots, who total 37 receptions in their career. So uh, to make a case for the Jets is really difficult at this point. I imagine the first half line on the Chiefs would be approximately 12 or so, 12 and a half, and that might be your best play if you're going to take Kansas City. But the risk with Kansas City is this. They don't stop the run very well. Uh, I think they've been covering it up and largely due to their offense and being able to score some points when it's needed. I mean, you look at that Charger game, they basically escaped via a couple turnovers late. Uh, Justin Herbert threw in a deception down the middle of the field, and he's done great, but that was a mistake. Uh, The Chiefs, in my opinion, can be had. Now, if the yep. Jets get their running game off and kill the clock and ha- manage to score a touchdown, that 12-and-a-half, 13 might be difficult to cover. And the Jets did run the football last week against the Bills. Yeah. But then again, everybody has been lately. And you, you hit it right, too. It's The Jets 
Their margin of error is so small They can't afford any injuries They're, They were already going to be a team that Was going to be probably lesser talented Than most of the teams they were facing And the coaching staff feels like they're just Completely uh, undermanned You know, every week, whoever they go up against And then you you throw in You know, you're missing your key skill players Some of them like Crowder And anytime Darnold has to go in and out of the lineup It's just been um, yeah, it's just been tough for the Jets And it, it's hard because I don't, you know, as someone who was a USC fan I wasn't the biggest I, I wasn't sure that Sam Darnold would come in and be some franchise guy He actually has always turned the ball over He has small hands He's always had some fumbling issues too But I don't think he's really gotten a fair shake You know, you mentioned the injuries And we don't know anything with Gase He could be someone that could end up in Denver Or somewhere else in a few years And, and it wouldn't shock me if he was a little bit better um, than, than what we've seen right now uh, Just so hard to get a real gauge on him as uh, the Chiefs are going to be going to be around a twenty point favorite this weekend against the Jets, we move to the Browns versus the Raiders. This one is about two and a half or so. The Browns, uh, two and a half point favorite against the Raiders, over under fifty one and a half. The Browns are five and two straight up, three and four against the spread. Raiders three and three straight up, three and three against the spread. Another game where we're going to have some rain and we could get those winds. They said about twenty five to thirty miles an hour, even up to forty uh, with gusts. These are two bad defenses So it's going to be interesting when you have two teams That you figure would would try to kind of go up and down The field on each other But we're not sure if that'll work in the rain They both can run the ball pretty well though And they both want to run the ball very well Odell Beckham Jr. is out with the ACL The guard for Cleveland Teller Should be back They uh, Baker Mayfield After getting talked about as, as someone who may be benched He was 0 for 5 to start the game last week Odell Beckham Jr. gets hurt And then Baker completes 21 straight passes In fact, the only reason he had an incompletion Towards the end of the game, Paul Was because he had to spike the ball to, to stop the clock And so... You know that was against the Bengals Their defense is awful But maybe a confidence boost for Baker Because that was probably the best It's been one of the best Baker Mayfield moments In about a year To be you know, to be honest Maybe since even his rookie year When he had all that buzz and, and, and he was looking good towards the end of the season But then you have to look at the Raiders You know they lost last week And they were in a situation where Four of their five offensive linemen Were in five days leading up to the Tampa game So they couldn't practice They could have been out of shape They were a little off Um this is an interesting game to me. I, I don't really know if I have a, a strong feel or a side, but I'm very I love I, I love watching these two teams. They're very polarizing teams to watch with the Raiders with Gruden. They sort of seem like they're in most of the games and then they make one or two kind of strange decisions. And Browns, they're just they're just fun. I love all the storylines with the Browns. So two and a half against the Raiders here, fifty one and a half total. Yeah, I, I happen to agree with you on this game. It's a game I want to watch. Uh, I have seven screens down here. I'm going to give this one some uh, some airtime here and put it on one of the bigger screens. It should be interesting. I'm hoping there's not that uh, inclement weather kicking in here because it should be uh, you know a very compelling matchup between a guy in Baker Mayfield who reminds me of the sixth grade kid that can beat up the fourth grader and the fifth grader. You're, you're he right. Has to, if, if you're right. Is, he gets punched in the face and he just curls up in like a ball and runs away. Yeah. The sixth grader, if he has to face face off against the sixth grader or seventh grader, he's just going to wilt. But he can beat up the little kids. Yeah. He tends to thrive against inferior competition. He's had <laughs> right. a, a great record against the Cincinnati Bengals, and you are right. He started off 0 and 0, 0 for five, and then. You know, has this uh, spectacular finish, 
and they they end up winning the football game, and you wonder if he can follow up with it. You know, he's had some poor games this year, notably against the Steelers, although I don't pin that against him completely or pin it on him because, you know, he dropped back in that game 23 times, was sacked four times, took absorbed numerous hits. He just and- looked hurt from the beginning, too. He really did look like he was banged up and, like, squirming. And that's the, like, Pittsburgh is the type of team, if they face a quarterback like that that's a little wounded, like, they just go after him back there. I'm with you. I can, I can, I can toss that game and put a line through it. Yeah, exactly. And he's a small guy, so I think he gets intimidated. You know, I'm not sure how tall he is. The uh, programs, you, you, you can never really put too much stock yeah. in what they say, but I'm guessing he's around 5'10", 5'11". So when you got a 280 guy coming at you, a guy pushing 280, 300, and you've taken a few hits, I'm sure you're going to get shaken up. I know I would. I, I've yeah. played sports before, and it's 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 a pretty scary feeling. So uh, anyway, I, I, I think in this one, uh, barring inclement weather – you're going to see some points here for sure. And I have more confidence in the Raiders putting up points. I was disappointed on Sunday because I did take the Raider team total over 23. And I sat there for the entire fourth quarter and, and couldn't get anything. And uh, they ended up stuck on 20. And I yeah. ended up with, uh, you know, a little lighter in the wallet. But these things happen. And I think the Raiders will come back and perform better against a... Um, a team defensively, which definitely is not as strong as the Buccaneers. Browns minus two and a half against the Raiders. Let's move to what on paper is really the game of the week. Um, I think on most metrics that people have, these two teams would be probably in your top three and at the very least, maybe your top five. We've got the Ravens against the Steelers. This game is down to Ravens minus four against the Steelers. Total is 46 and a half. Um, Pittsburgh is five and or. Baltimore's five and one straight up, three and three against the spread. Pittsburgh is six and zero oh, straight up, five and one against the spread. What makes a rivalry, Paul? Is we hear rivalries, you know, and 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 that's a lot of the time. It's just because teams play each other often. What makes a rivalry is this: the last forty six times these teams have played since nineteen ninety nine, they're twenty three and twenty three. These two teams don't like each other. They battle. A lot of these games have been dirty and ugly and like old school football games. I always enjoy when these two teams get together. Um, now you have some question marks about Des Bryant and Yannick Nagakwe for Baltimore. Will those two be playing? Will they be lined up? You have some uh, some issues with Mark Ingram, question mark for him too. But the Ravens are coming off a bye. And it does look like Mike Hilton and uh, Watt for Pittsburgh should be back so just an interesting game lots of storylines two of the best teams in the nfl um you know another game that i'm gonna be very excited to watch i uh i'm not drinking the steel of kool-aid just yet at six and oh i think they've been very fortunate and i definitely uh feel that ben roethlisberger is down a couple notches he's last week he sure looked like it in the second half huh Look, it took him 49 passes to amass, what, 250 yards or so? He dinks and doinks his way down the field. He has the advantage, and the Steelers do, of having capable receivers. Uh, Deontay Johnson, Juju Schuster, and, of course, the emergence of, uh, of Claypool, who uh, you know is, is performing spectacularly as, as a rookie here. But uh, the Steelers, if you look down the ledger, 
against the Giants. They won by 10, but the Giants were poised to take a lead in the third quarter, and Daniel Jones turned the ball over. Slayton accumulated over 100 yards of uh, receiving. And then the next game against the Broncos, they win by five. They survive via a turnover. Cortland Sutton goes out early in the uh, in the game uh, with 66 yards receiving. They didn't look impressive against the Texans. Uh, I think the leading receiver, I'm, I I think it was Cobb, had 95 yards. And then the next game, Travis Fulgham, 150 yards of receiving. And then last week, they couldn't stop A.J. Brown. I definitely think they have some uh, issues in the secondary. They will welcome back Hilton if he can play because Hilton can put pressure on the quarterback in terms of blitzes. I think he has three sacks this year. But uh, Lamar Jackson's not a guy you're normally going to track down on the blitz. But I would say that it's going to be up to Lamar to complete some passes downfield. His accuracy has come under question of late, as it should. Um, Last year, he was throwing to basically three tight ends. He's more... Uh, been more focused on the wideouts at this point between Brown and Snead. And uh, I think the Ravens definitely have an edge here. Uh, they're going to need their cornerbacks to play. There's a couple guys that are questionable, but they should play. Uh, they just, I think they were just held out of practice. But I definitely give an edge to the Ravens here. I think the Steelers have been a little bit fortunate as you look down. I mean, that Eagle game that they won by nine, that was a 31-29 game. They got a late garbage touchdown, uh, fortunately. So every game, to me, has come down to the uh, to the to, towards the end, with the exception of the Browns, which we discussed a few minutes ago. It's funny. I I felt very similar about the Steelers most of the year with you, and I and then I felt similar about the Titans too. And so when they played each other last week, I was I was having a fun time figuring out which way it was going to go. I just thought the Pittsburgh team was better. And so as I'm watching that game, I played Pittsburgh money line. I'm just going, of course, this is going to happen with a game in a game two teams you hate, where it's going to come down and you're going to feel like you're going to lose. And I mean, they were a field goal away from having to go to overtime, a missed field goal away they, from having to go to overtime in a game they could have completely spit out. Maybe they were looking ahead a little bit, but I don't know. I'm with you. Just looking at these two teams together, I just feel like Baltimore is better. I, I just feel like they're better. And, um, you know, it, anything like the, the, the number feels right uh, pretty close. I, I just I couldn't take Pittsburgh with this number. I could take Baltimore with this number. Let's get to Titans Bengals. So we're talking about the Titans who came all the way back in that Steelers game. They were down 24-7. Titans are 5 and 1 straight up, 2 and 4 against the spread. Bengals are 1-5 and 1 straight up, 5 and 2 against the spread. Total in this game is 53 and a half. The Titans are they have a stat that is pretty phenomenal. They are not even bad against third down conversions. They are dead last in the league. They are actually so bad at third down conversions. Their defense is allowing the most per game in the NFL in 30 years. Um, that's what is a little intriguing about this game in that I think the Bengals will be able to move the ball on the Titans. Everybody's been able to move the ball on the Titans. The problem is, can the Bengals stop Derrick Henry and the Titans? That's the, the issue I have here. I feel like this game is going to be closer. 
though And um, the Titans have sort of a tough schedule coming up After this game, they've got the Bears, the Colts twice And the Ravens, those two divisional games Maybe they're looking ahead a little bit Coming off of the tough Pittsburgh game I could see them getting caught here And this game being closer than than it needs to be So I, I would be on the Bengals side First of all, I stepped in on this game And I'm underwater uh, <laughs> Alright, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit it you know, I, I try to pick off numbers on Sunday night, and I'm normally very good at it, and, and the numbers generally move in my direction. Uh, on this one, it did not. I went over 54 and a half uh, a couple times. It immediately went to 55, and it's now come back to 53 and a half. And I know why it's 53 and a half, because the Bengals' offensive line has been horrific. Atrocious. Uh, Joe Burrow, poor Joe Burrow, who's performing admirably and had a great game last week, I think 32 or 47 for big yardage in that loss to the Browns. Uh, he's absorbed 28 sacks in seven games. Uh, that's four a game if you can't do simple division. Uh, but the problem is he's taken a lot of hits. Yeah. Now you have an offensive line where their left tackle did not practice Williams. Their left guard is questionable. Their center was concussed, and he didn't practice, so he might not play. And now their right tackle is also questionable. So I would imagine if these guys gave up 28 sacks, that the guys behind them <laughs> would probably have been good for 50 sacks. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not a, a a a sound proposition to think about when you need points. However, on the other side, cornerback Jackson did not play last week, and that may have been largely responsible for Mayfield completing those twenty-one straight passes that you mentioned and going twenty-two of the last twenty-three after that zero and five start, mm-hmm. and cornerback Phillips. Is also questionable here. He has 18 tackles this year and five passes defended. This is, as you mentioned, a very soft spot for the Titans, I do believe. They played three games in 14 days, starting off with that COVID situation Mm -hmm. where the game was in a state of flux and they destroyed the Bills. I think it was like 41 17. And then they have to uh, take on a Texan team who they survive 42-36 in overtime. And then you have to get involved in this nail-biter with the Steelers at 27-24, which they lose courtesy of Guskowski's missed field goal, which should have tied the game. And I took plus 450 on the uh, live money line, so much to my chagrin. But anyway, so now they're facing the Bengals on the road, which is, you know, on the surface, a pretty soft spot. So it's a very interesting game. And whether I get off my play or not and and bite it and take a loss and buy up to the number I uh, played it at or hope to get out on live wagering is going to be predicated on the status of that offensive line. Because if they are playing, I do agree with you. The Bengals should score points here. The Titans have really struggled on defense. They gave up 226 yards to the Vikings on the ground. Uh, Watson put up huge numbers, 28-37 for 335, and he has not. That that Texan offense is very well, they've been disappointing. Bad. Yeah. They've, been, they've been bad this year. I mean, they, they've been 
bad and they have no excuses. So I, I'm going to agree with you on here, uh, Gino. It's a soft spot for the Titans, but depending on how banged up the Bengals come in is going to you know, weigh in on my decision as to what to do with the game. Next up, it's the Rams. They look like they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now at Miami playing the Dolphins. Total is 46. And, you know, I, I still don't know who this Rams team is. They're five and two straight up. They're four and three against the spread. But of their five wins, they beat the NFC East and the Bears, who I think a lot of us all thought weren't a real, you know, five and one type team. The Dolphins are three and three straight up. They're four and two against the spread. And obviously the big news in this game is Tua. Tua will be starting for Miami off the bye. The Rams are on a short week, but you do have Tua having to deal with Aaron Donald and uh, some a couple rookies on that offensive line Worrying about stopping Aaron Donald It's also going to be a little bit different for Miami Because they are now bringing in A left-handed quarterback So the blind side and the offensive line setup Is is a little bit different Of what your responsibilities are Now, uh, let's see as far as injuries Parker for Miami is a little bit banged up They also have three defensive starters That haven't been practicing So keep an eye on them as far as the injury report Is concerned and uh, the rookie safety for the Rams They lost him last week He's going to be out for the year here So um, yeah definitely Like I like I just don't know what we're going to get from Tua But the Rams off the buy, uh, the Rams on the short week um, Miami coming off the bye I would like this spot for Miami More than I would for the Rams We just don't know Is this locker room going to get behind Tua After They've started to play really well And then their coach decided to bench Veteran quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick Who's a very likable guy And every team he's played for it seems like The guys around them they like him Because he will he will go to war for you He will run through a first down He will go you know he'll do whatever he has to do He So I, I'm, I'm curious In how this team comes out This week with all of that going on I, I don't think they should have replaced Uh I don't either. Fitzpatrick, I, I, I just either. think it's wrong. The team is performing. He's, you know, I understand he's he's not a young guy anymore, but you know he's getting the job done. I, I don't, I don't think. You look was, around at the division. The last few weeks, the the Bills came back to life. They didn't look as strong. The Patriots, they've got tons of issues going on. There's a seventh spot up for grabs in the playoffs. But this team at three and three has an, a, a legitimate opportunity to win a playoff to make a playoff. Spot to to get into the playoffs, and and now you bring in the new rookie. I I, I can see you wanting to wanting to know what you have with him, but why now when this team has just started to rally around Fitzpatrick, and it seems like they figured a few things out. I agree with you, Gino, but uh, you know we don't make those decisions. No. You know we just have to roll with the punches. And as far as the Rams go, I'm going to agree with you. I, I again, this is a team I look down the ledger. And I have to admit to you, I'm 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 losing my season win total on the Rams because I did go under. Uh, we didn't I, know I, the, they were going to just get the free wins against the NFC East, you know. <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't think they were gimmies, and I I definitely thought the the team was down a few notches. And uh, on a good note, I'm I'm winning most of them. I'm winning every other one. Uh, except for the Rams, but of course that's the one that's going to like needle you, and that's the one you're going to think about. <laughs> and, yep. and as you go down the schedule, look, I understand uh, there are those that say they got robbed in the Bills game, but they also were the beneficiary of a call in the Cowboy game in terms of Very an true. offensive pass interference penalty. 
And then in that 18-point Eagle game, I watched the game. There were turnovers at the goal line. Wentz threw a couple bad interceptions. 37-19 was not indicative of the um, the way the game played out. And then they barely survived against the Giants. And they, in my opinion, beat a, a, a Bears team that just was an accident waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I had the Rams. I don't like giving points. I had them on Monday night. Why? Because the Bears can't run the football at all. Uh, they were another team just winning with smoke and mirrors. It was just kind of a, a smoke screen for futility as far as Chicago goes. And they're going to be in trouble this week because they have uh, Robinson maybe out. But the Rams, it's a tough team to figure out. And uh, I would definitely lean to the Miami Dolphins here. I think the Dolphins are, are playing decent football. And uh, it, it remains to be seen, uh, you know, how the quarterback situation plays out. And what kind of- if, if it was Fitzpatrick, I would for sure 100% take the Dolphins side. So I'm probably still leaning the Dolphins side because we don't, when you, when you don't know, it, 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 there's still that variable in the line, right? Like maybe Tua is a little bit better than him. Maybe he comes out and he's awesome. There, there's, there's a variable there that that's still, you know, I, I think we're okay value wise. Um, so yeah, I, I just prefer the side for the Dolphins. Like they've been doing a lot of positive over there. This is just one of those moves for a coach who I, I think he's done a great job, Brian Flores. I mean, remember how bad this team was at the beginning of last year, and they they traded a couple of their bad contracts and a couple of veterans who didn't want to be around, and then they started just playing good football, and they they felt like a really solid team now for about a year str- a stretch. I just hope this is something that doesn't hurt their locker room. If some of the veterans, if if Tua comes out and he has a bad game, and some of the veterans look around and go, "Why did they they put us in this spot?" That that's something that a decision that could change all of the good the good mojo you've built up. Absolutely, and then you have to make a decision: Do I do I put Fitzpatrick back in? At what point? I think and, it's going to really it just throws throws a wrench into things, and sometimes, as the saying goes, if it's if it's not broke, uh, you know, don't try to fix it. And I don't think it was broken at this point. Nobody was complaining about Fitzpatrick. He had thrown a few interceptions along the way, but it was nothing uh, glaring where you'd say, "Hey, we got we got to make a move." And I I just don't think it was the right time. Let's move on to a divisional game. How about this one? What year are we living in, Paul, when the Bills are a four-point favorite over the Patriots? Total in this game is 42.5. Bills are 5-2 and two straight up, 3-4 and four against the spread. Patriots are 2-4 and four straight up, 2-4 and four against the spread. This is the, the Bills are the biggest favorite against the Patriots in this game since 2003. I believe in 2014 and 2015, there were games that were really tight that, depending on when you played them, you could have gotten them as a pick em, or maybe even the Bills favored by one in those spots. But th- this is, is different. And this is the first Patriots three game losing streak since 2002. They, when you look at the Patriots right now and you just try to say, as a football team, what do they do well? They don't do a whole lot well right now. Their defense, which was their calling card last year, and remember, their defense at the beginning of last year played a pretty weak schedule, so they were able to beat up on some bad teams, kind of the Baker Mayfield syndrome you were talking about. Their their talented defense beat up on Dolphins and the Jets early in the year, and they lost, you know, I think eight players from from their defensive side of the ball due to injuries or COVID opt-outs before the year. 
They have zero playmakers It's Edelman, you double Edelman Who else is going to make a play for you They cannot score Cam Newton, after looking decent In the first couple weeks he, his, he, he's throw, his throws have been awful His accuracy throwing the ball has been horrible And that's never been a strong suit of his What, what you would expect for him is being able to you know, Move the ball and pick up first downs with his legs He hasn't been doing that at all the last few weeks He's looked as bad as, as we've seen him in a few years And uh, so you know, all that being said This feels like a spot where you'd, you gotta take the Patriots Because I just don't know anyone taking the Bills But I I don't have very many reasons myself to I'll probably stay away and just watch this one Because it's just fascinating to see How quickly things can change for you in this league And I wonder if they lose this weekend I'm sure Tom Brady down in Tampa Is going to have a smile on his face Yeah, I, Brady's obviously uh, got a leg up In the uh, Belichick-Brady war here You know, it's maybe not a public war But it's one of those silent wars Where you... You know it's going on, and he knows it's going on, but there's nothing etched in stone. So I would say that uh, here's my issue with the Bills. Do not stop the run. It was an embarrassing performance against Kansas City on that Monday afternoon, and Kansas City's best offensive lineman, Schwartz, had went out during the game, and they still could not stop. uh, What what happened to this defense, Paul? I mean, coming into this year— Everybody was so just. We were convinced that, like most of these Bills teams the last few years, their defense is always good. And now, can Josh Allen take the step and make plays? And I mean, from week one, their defense hasn't been good at all. It wasn't like there were even a few games here and there. They've been pretty atrocious throughout the year. Uh, Gino, I agree with you. I mean, this was supposed to be a vastly improved defense based on the uh, free agent acquisitions of Vernon Butler and Mario Addison, Quentin Jefferson. And I understand they lost Shaq Lawson, but still this was the number two scoring defense last year, number three total defense. And it seems like they've went ass backwards. So uh, they're not stopping the run. And if you don't stop the run in the NFL, bad things tend to happen, and it will catch up with you. Now, it didn't happen last week against the Jets, although the Jets did move the football at times, but I think the lack of receiving talent eventually caught up with the Jets last week, and Darnold couldn't do anything. I think Perriman had went out during the game, Crowder didn't play, and it was uh, he, he amassed all of 120 yards of uh, of. Yardage, uh, passing yardage, uh, Donald did. But, uh, hey, if you can't stop the run, I have to feel that Bill Belichick is not throwing in the towel just yet. No. Problem is, I can't back Cam Newton. Cam Newton this year is 58 of 87, one touchdown, six interceptions if you remove the Seattle game. And the reason I move the Seattle game is the same reason why in the Olympics, if if every judge scores at an eight and one numbskull scores at a 10, you throw that one out. Seattle is making... uh, Everybody look good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Nobody's had a poor performance against uh, the Seahawks because they they just don't defend well. And it's going to get worse this week. It could get worse this week based on some injuries. So uh, I, uh, it's hard to make a play. It, it really is. I want to believe that New England's going to get it going. And as far as the weapons go and Cam Newton and COVID, everybody's made 
an excuse for Cam Newton along the way. I you agree. pointed it out. He's not an accurate passer. He's had, I think, one season. He reminds me of that one, the one-hit wonder I said the other night. He reminds me of Tony Basil. Tony Basil had one hit. Cam Newton's one hit was 2015, 35 uh, touchdown passes versus 10 interceptions. And outside of that, he's basically uh, not even three touchdown passes to two interceptions. I think he's had one year over uh, 60% completions besides that, uh, maybe two. But that's it, and they were slightly over 60%. And that's when he was throwing at Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield for the majority of his throws. So... I, I don't have confidence in, in either team for different reasons. I'll probably sit back, watch, but I, I do think, and maybe this is more hope uh, than reality, that I, I do feel as though New England should be able to move the ball and score a few points. Yeah, I, I'm I'm almost exactly how you feel here. Just it's just hard to trust Cam because when you the, using the eye test when it's like third and five or third and six and he's got a receiver that just does a basic down and out he misses him he overthrows him you know like two feet over his head and and that's the thing is that Cam was always the guy when it was third and five or third and six he can pick up a first down with his legs that other people can't but he doesn't he just can't make sometimes the basic throw there and if you can't do that. Then you're gonna be in you're gonna be in a little bit of trouble. Let's see if Belichick can can write up a script for them this week because I I agree with you. I'd still want to lean that way and I'd still have a little faith in Belichick being able to uh to write something up here that keeps this game close and and gives the Patriots a shot in here. Let's go to Chargers Broncos. Chargers minus three at Denver over under in this game is forty four and a half. Chargers are two and four straight up, five and one against the spread. Broncos are two and four straight up, four and two against the spread. The Chargers. Always seem to be playing in one of these games where something crazy happens or it comes down to the wire or there's a weird comeback or back and forth. They're just a polarizing team the last few years and always involved in something. And I, I will admit, um, Herbert has been a lot better already than I thought he may have ever been. The the decision making that I saw when he was at Oregon, he didn't seem like someone who processed what was going on very well. He's got the skills and he's got a lot of talent physically. So he when he drops back and he makes a big throw, he looks great doing it and he can move his feet well. I'm just impressed at how he's he's been able to make plays. You still see him as a rookie. You know, uh, with a, a mistake here and there, but I know you know that Kansas City game is one that keep I keep going back to as a game that they absolutely should have won. This team is a little bit better than their record, which is usually the case for the Chargers. With the Broncos, you sort of know what you're going to get. You have a strong defense here. These are two divisional teams that know each other pretty well. They've played each other a ton the last few years. Um, I, I guess I don't. I just don't really have a strong side either way here. Any uh, opinion in Chargers minus three against the Broncos at the Broncos? Well, you you may I think they're a lot better than their record. Or, yeah, you know, at two and four, you you could go down the list and and easily make a case that these this team should have won every single game. One hundred percent. I mean, three. Uh, the Buccaneer they lost. blew that Saints game too. That was the Monday night game, right when they were up big and they the Saints came back. Yeah, I, they they blew that game. They blew the Tampa Bay game. They gave them seven points Horrible. before the end of the first half. And, and those are good teams think, too. We're talking about that they were beating, right? We're not talking about them blowing games against garbage teams. We're talking about they were competitive with you know Tampa, who is on many people's eye, you know, they're one of the most well-rounded teams in the league right now. 
Absolutely. You look at that Panther game, 21-16, that they had a 4-0-4 turnover deficit. The Chief game, as you just brought up, I mean, I don't know how they blew, blew that Chief game. I know I had them in the second half. I wasn't too happy about that. And uh, they just gave that game away. They ran the ball. They did everything. They frustrated Patrick Mahomes. And here they are sitting at 2-4. and four. But that seems to be the, the pedigree, the history of the Chargers. It it's, kind of, it's been chaotic. I, it I, is. I mean, between the kickers and blowing football games in the rivers uh, with the bad picks throughout the years or, you know, just, yeah, it, it just, there's something. But uh, on the other side, I don't think the Broncos are nearly as bad as that 43, 16 result, because look, there were, uh, there was a pick six in there. Two defensive scores, right? Yeah. The, and the chiefs only had 300 yards of offense uh, to put up 43 points with 300 yards of offense. I mean, that should be, 20 points, 22 points, and the, the Broncos were running the football. My best prop last week, I took Philip Lindsay over 32 and a half yards. I couldn't understand the number. He had 79 yards in the second quarter before he went out with a concussion, and that's going to be a problem because he will likely not play this week, and Philip Lindsay is better than Melvin Gordon, in my opinion. He, he is a better he's a quality back he, he runs the football he's aggressive thousand yard rusher last year uh this is a game i'm gonna stay off of i i just uh don't have a strong feel either way i i don't think the broncos are a bad team at two and four and i think that i think they're better than their record they had a two-point loss to the titans a five-pointer to the steelers when their receiver went out and uh, and that was with yeah. Ripian, right? Brett Rapian, or they, you know, they were they've been playing a couple games without Locke too. Yeah, they they're they're not bad. They're like there are some bad teams in the NFL. These two are not close to the bad teams. They don't feel like it. They feel like they can compete with better teams, especially the Broncos defense. And I completely agree with you in the Chargers. They're they're just they're they're polarizing, and they're no doubt better than that two and four record. As we move to Saints Bears Looks like the Saints are a four and a half point favorite right now uh, At Chicago Chicago coming back on the short week after they got beat up By the Rams on Monday night The over under in this game is 43 and a half You mentioned Allen Robinson could be out We still don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas over, what, a, what a crazy year it's been for him With the fighting and the, the um, Injuries we haven't seen much from him at all And uh, Saints are four and two straight up, two and four against the spread. Bears are five and two straight up, four and three against the spread. Then we had the the comments on Monday Night Football, which were I was like shocked. I had to re- rewind it. I even brought Steph, like my girlfriend Stephanie. It's like listen to what he's saying right now. Brian Greasy is saying that Nick Foles said about the coaching. Like they're they're calling plays that Nick Foles immediately knows aren't going to work. That doesn't sound good, you know. To have the like a good relationship with the quarterback and the coach for a team that was five and one <laughs> coming into the game too, not a team that was one and five. So, I I don't like what I'm feeling and seeing coming out of the Bears locker room. Uh, Gino, this game has under written all over it, right? Uh, oh yeah, I understand it's forty three and a half, but. The Bears just can't do anything. And if you don't have Allen Robinson and Corderell Patterson is also questionable, I, I, what do you have? David Montgomery? And and uh, what do you have? Allen Robinson has 44 receptions this year for 500 yards. And he's that's not- beating like double teamed and triple teamed, you know, because he's their main weapon. Now, if it's Miller or, you know, the rest of their I, – I just – 
I cannot back the Bears in this spot. I agree with you. People don't. People won't want to take the number because it looks low. It doesn't bother me at all. I just think the Saints. They've become very. You know, we still think of the Saints as this go up and down. That's that's not this team anymore. They're very dink and dunk, especially without Michael Thomas. They they run like their whole offense is like short passing plays to Kamara, really. You know, and they just get the ball in his hands and he moves the chains for him up and down the field. I think it's the, the same as you. I would lean to the under in this spot. Don't really have a, a strong side either way. I mean, I'm not even been really sold on the Saints. To right now, the Saints aren't in the playoffs. You know, if the season ended today, they are on the outside looking in. Um, their defense is eh, but this is. I just think these two teams will try to run the ball, especially if they don't have their major weapons there. Um, Saints minus four and a half at the Bears. So I got to give Drew Brees, you know, credit for last week because he doesn't have any receivers. Uh, I did well on the props on this game, but he finds this guy, Marquez Callaway, who had all of five receptions coming into this into the game in his career, and he goes off for eight receptions for 75 yards. He was his go-to guy. And now Callaway is uh, questionable this week. So he emerged from the abyss, and now he might not have him. Now, I don't know if they're going to get back Emmanuel Sanders. I imagine they will. But uh, with uh, they don't have a lot of receiving talent. And they have talent in the backfield. But the Bears do a decent job defensively. And I, I do believe that this game will play out like a slugfest. And 43-and-a-half, I, I don't like going under 43-and-a-halves, but... Uh, This is a game where I feel it should be like 41 and the perception is not in alignment with the reality because, as you say, the Saints have become a dink and doink team and the Saints had the benefit of taking on what I feel is a kind of a depleted Carolina team last week and the the breeze went off 29 of 36 for 287 so i give him a lot of credit and that field goal was like inches away from tying that game from what 65 yards oh I mean, yeah they, yeah that, that thing just missed i felt bad they showed a few different angles it was close yeah that was insane i he just missed it that would have been a an nfl record if, of course but uh yeah, I, I just think this is going to be a you know a low scoring game. Would I want to lay points on the road with the Saints uh, in a low scoring game? In a low scoring game, you, points are more valuable to take points. It just uh, it just mathematical computation that yep. uh, th- those points are more meaningful. So laying four and a half on a forty three and a half point game. I don't think that's uh, the way to go. And I think if I was feel if I was taking a side here, as much as I don't like the Bears, I would take them. And I took the Bears against Carolina two weeks ago and then went against them on Monday. And I'm not saying I'm an expert on the Bears, but, you know, you got to go the number with the team yeah. when it makes sense. Exactly. And this is a good sense. Yeah. Good number. Good spot. Low. I could absolutely see this game just being a close game that the Saints win by a field goal late, no doubt about it. Um, I would lean to the Bears side here if I had to, uh, and definitely the underside too. Three games left to discuss. The Seattle 49ers game is going to be a good one. We've got Seattle minus three against the 49ers over under 54. Two teams that feel like in the last few weeks they're trending in different directions. Seattle is five and one straight up and four and two against the spread. 
49ers are four and three straight up and four and three against the spread. I think with with the 49ers, it's going to be a little difficult at the end of the year to really look at their record in a couple of their games here and there because they were decimated by injury. We talk about teams that have had to deal with injury. They have had to deal with probably the the most in like big time injury to their top level players on all sides of the ball. Defensive front, the secondary, we're talking offensive front, we're talking the the backs, the receivers, everyone. This this is a stay away game for me because it's I mean, I I couldn't the, the numbers moving towards the 49ers. I think it was it's already moved a few points away from Seattle and it's uh, down to 3. Seattle cannot stop Anybody defensively do I trust Russell Wilson more than Jimmy G In a close game to go and maybe pull out A win for Seattle sure But as we saw last Week Paul Russell Wilson with this group and and I think they're, They might get Adams back and I think they made A trade too so maybe in a few weeks This defense will get shirt up a little bit But Russell Wilson has to Basically be perfect For them to win and what's What's crazy is he's so good That most weeks he can do pretty much that But if he has a week like last week Where he throws a couple picks They're in trouble he, They go as Russ goes There's going to be no Carson it looks like this week too So now with their running game you have no Carson Penny's been out so their top two backs Are going to be out um, I, I I couldn't take the Seattle side I don't know if I'd play San Francisco But I, I know I couldn't take the Seattle side here I would agree with you Um they may be down to a running back by the name of DJ Dallas, who has all of two carries in his career because Carson uh, may be out. Uh, Carlos Hyde may be out as well as Travis Homer. Uh, of more concern, uh, Shaquille Griffin yeah. could also be out. Now, he hasn't missed a game. He has 34 tackles, uh, seven uh I I think he has uh, seven passes defended and two interceptions this year. You can't take a player of that caliber out of a defense that is this porous and expect them to perform well. Now, on the other side, Jimmy G has lost one of his weapons in Debo Samuel. Now, Debo Samuel didn't play in three of the games this year. But Ayuk stepped up last week. I believe he had over 100 yards receiving. So it's going to be him, Kendrick Bourne, and then you have Kawan Alexander, who, by the way, is out uh, defensively. And, of course, on the receiving end, it'll be George Kittle, all-world tight end. Mostard is out. Uh, then they had a, a running back that is, that is out who stepped up. Last Wilson, week. Jeff Wilson Jr., Wilson. yeah. Yeah, he's not going to play. So uh, there are some major pieces uh, that are out for the 49ers. But I I have to feel that, especially if Tevin Coleman comes back, which is a possibility, that uh, the 49ers have an edge here. As as bad as, as much as their uh, offense has been hindered by injuries, the... uh, Seattle defense, as you mentioned, it's it's just it's terrible. They're it's making so bad. I mean, just look at Cam Newton. Cam Newton, thirty of forty-four for three hundred plus high three hundreds, three ninety-seven, and then you look at comparatively Cam Newton against the rest of the league, and you understand 
the issues with this defense, which could be again the Vikings too. Field. They made the Vikings look great. You yeah, know, they made and the Vikings look great. Yeah, you make the Vikings look great, and you also might be without Dunbar. And, uh, of course, Jamal Adams is not going to play. So uh, it's problems for Seattle. They were an accident waiting to happen. Uh, Final two games of the week. We'll go to the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. Sunday night, how about this one? The Eagles minus eight and a half against the Cowboys. Over under in this game is 43. The Eagles are two, four, and one straight up, two and five against the spread. The Cowboys are two and five straight up. They are 0-7 against the spread this year. And I, I was reading an article, Paul, that is something we'll probably find with the Cowboys and with the Jets who are 1-6 against the spread. When you have teams like this that have that have not covered so many times early in the year, the numbers start to get really inflated in order to adjust. And a lot of the times, the, the teams that were previously 0-7 against the spread leading into Week 8, they actually covered like 65% of the time the rest of the year moving forward. I just don't know how we can look at Dallas with what we've seen the last few weeks and want to back them. I, I don't know if the Eagles should be eight and a half points favored over anybody. Um, this is a total feel like a stay away for me, but it just, we're going to get to the points where this number for the Cowboys gets so big that a lot of the sharp betters and, and the, the pro betters are going to want to play it because that number is just going to be inflated. We have some issue question marks about Andy Dalton. Is he going to play? If not, it's going to be Danucci. I believe the Italian, so I'm all for the Itals here uh, getting their opportunity to start. But the the thing for me, Paul, um, about this Cowboys team is, you know, they've got some injuries on the line, and you you miss, you know, Dak quarter a quarterback can can change your team, but it's Ezekiel Elliott. What has happened to this guy? He got paid, and he cannot hold on to the ball. There was a play last week where he was blocking. He was supposed to be blocking. And he got absolutely blown up by a second-year player, and he got thrown back into Dalton and completely caused a sack. He looks like he's playing on the field with no confidence whatsoever right now. That is what is the most surprising thing to me. If you told me the Dallas Cowboys lost Dak, they're 2-5 and five right now, they're not very good, but, they, but Zeke still runs the ball, um, they just can't stop you on defense, I would have said okay. I'm just surprised at more than anything how Ezekiel Elliott has looked. Well, I I've been of the opinion, the mindset that Ezekiel Elliott has been trending downward uh, the last yeah. year and a half, and I I do believe that's the case, and it happens with running backs. Uh, you know, the the curve is usually four four and a half years before productivity starts to wane, and it's just the abuse. And Ezekiel Elliott has carried the ball, I don't know, over a thousand times the last couple of years and uh, three, four years and uh, four years. And, and uh, I think it's wearing on him. And I don't think he's that effective. He's had games this year where they just could not get him off. And then, of course, he wants the football more. But it's you get into that syndrome where a guy needs to be fed, but he's not. The productivity is not in alignment with uh with the number of times that, that he's getting the ball. Hard to be um, fed I, when you're down 20 points, too, and you're trying to come back every week, you know? Yeah, and I, I the, the eight and a half, yeah, it's a it's a big number, and it has a lot to do, I'm sure, with Ben DiNucci at quarterback, who's the seventh-round pick out of James Madison. I mean, how much stock can you put in a guy who's the seventh-round pick out of James Madison who, you know, this is this is not... 
this is a major step up to face an NFL team. But on a positive note, they do get back Zach Martin on the offensive line, and that's been a major problem. I don't put all this on Andy Dalton because the offensive line, Teron Smith, uh, Zach Martin, uh, they lost another offensive lineman, and I think the pressure on the on, the, on Andy Dalton was just uh, overwhelming at times, unfortunately. And um, in the case of the Eagles, they they might get back Jalen Rieger. Uh, I believe they're getting back their left tackle as well, if I'm not mistaken, Jason Peters. So I can't lay eight and a half here. I I can't. I can't take eight and a half. It's the game I'm going to sit back and yep. just just watch and probably look for a prop bet or something, which which I like to do, and I can find value in those always. Uh, you know, and that's uh, probably the uh, direction I'm going to go. And Absolutely. I I kind of feel bad for Cowboy fans because it's it's gotten really, it's gotten terrible. I, it, I mean, it has. It, last week, what happened to Dalton? Too, and that was a dirty hit too. That that's what made you feel bad is that. He he got nailed in a dirty hit last week, and I'm I mean you look at this division, and this is for first place in the division, and you look over at the NFC West, and you've got four teams with five wins. <laughs> you know it just is a, a tale of of two divisions, and it, you know some of that has to do with the fact that the NFC West plays the NFC East this year. They just have been beating up on this bad division, and uh, I think they'll continue to do so. In the Sunday night game. Is uh is going to be a, a an interesting one nonetheless with the Cowboys uh, always a polarizing fan base there can can they get a victory and they win their first place in the division it's crazy to say though at three you know at three and five so final game Monday night game and man the last few weeks a team that has looked like they are the most well rounded team in football because their defense is excellent. They run the ball pretty well. They've got some weapons. Brady's not making mistakes. That is this Tampa Bay Bucks team. They're a ten and a half point favorite on the road, playing the Giants. Total is forty six in here. Tampa's five and two straight up, four and three against the spread. Giants one and six straight up, four and three against the spread. the The issue that I have, um, and I'm, I'm not sure if it'll come to roost this week or, or whenever it is, is that we talked about this, you know, on on Twitter. Why why go get Antonio Brown? Who has been a diva Who has had Who's blown up the locker rooms The last couple places that he's been in When you have Evans Godwin Miller Grant, You've got weapons there It didn't feel like they needed another receiver I, So I th- That's the thing that I You know I We talk about how the Dolphins were trending well with Tua Make the change there Is that gonna Is that gonna You know Harm the locker room I, I wonder here with Brown And Arians and Brady Are saying all the right things Right They're saying If he acts up He does anything We just cut him He leaves It, it was just a we, It was complete shot Maybe we get a lottery ticket here I don't know It just doesn't give me A great feel Um, I, I do feel really good About everything I've seen In Tampa the last couple of weeks On the football field and they they feel like one of the better teams in football. And I've referenced uh, Football Outsiders DVOA a few different times. They actually have Tampa as the best team in football, um, you know, because they are the most well-rounded team. So Monday night game, Giants, another one in this terrible division. I mean, they're at home getting ten and a half. Look, the Giants. I don't think they've. Uh, maybe it's my fanhood speaking here, and I apologize for that if it comes off that way because it's not supposed to be that way. But I, I just feel as though they haven't played that bad. No, they, 
they they lost a lot of tough games this year, games that they could have won. If you it's go one down or two that... play with the with Jones, and that's the that's the thing with Jones. It's that he's so Jekyll Hyde. He he, he they have a great drive, a fifteen play drive, and then an interception against Pittsburgh, and then the the Philly, you know the. The game that was unbelievable how they lost that game You just look at You talk about the Rams game that they were in throughout I mean those are three games right there That could have very easily flipped Yep, games flip on one or two plays, Gino We know that So if you go down the Giants schedule I've talked about that Steeler game The Bears game They were down at the goal line They had a chance to win it in the last play the Ram game, they lose by eight points. Again, they were driving. They lose that Cowboy game late, uh, a game they shouldn't have lost, 37-34. And then that Eagle game. I mean, I have two words, Evan Ingram. If Evan Ingram just holds yeah. that pass, which was dropped right in his bread basket, the That's game it. is over, and the Giants are sitting at 2-5 and five instead of 1-6. and six. So you go down the Giants' schedule. And they easily could have won another two or three football games. And certainly anybody that talks about the Giants and the Jets in the same breath is uh, delirious. Because the Giants are a better football team. They're, they're more competitive. I mean, their defense has been solid most of the year, too. Very, very improved from, from what you would expect. And remember, this is a Giants team that's doing this without their best player. Without the player that everybody schemes for them Offensively, you take Barkley out of this equation, and this poor team is is a much much easier and much more predictable team, or they're just easier to defend because they don't have their their major major skill player, and and they they're not as versatile. So I'm with you. I don't think this Giants team is nearly as bad as what the the maybe the reputation has been the last few years, or maybe as bad as just overall as an organization they've been the last couple of years. They, this team doesn't seem as bad I would not be shocked The, the only thing that concerns me is that They could get a, a little too far behind The Eagles, you know, after a couple games this week But if you told me at the end of the year This was the team that was the, the top of those four I would not be surprised I think they are capable of beating The Eagles, the, the Washington football team And the Cowboys, which we've seen in all their games The worry I have with the Giants is Can they... Outside of the division, can they hang around? Can they get a game or two like this that they're not supposed to win in order to get them in there? You know, I'm going to give Brady credit here because what Brady does is he's become a master of feeding his receivers. So, in other words, you look at Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller against Green Bay had one reception for six yards and only two targets. So what does he come back and do last week? Scotty Miller catches six balls for 109 yards. It's like a point so guard, he, you know? He just feels when somebody's it's somebody's time for the ball. Yeah, yeah. So, But it's going to get more challenging now uh, as a, a Antonio Brown is uh, in the mix here because even though he was brought over probably as an insurance policy, Antonio Brown is not going to look at himself as part of an insurance package. Antonio Brown is going to want the ball. Mm -hmm. So now he's got to distribute the ball to Godwin, Miller, Evans, and Brown. And that's going to be a challenge because if he leaves one guy out one week, he's going to have to start to, you know, target that guy the next week. 
So now that's not always the best way to win a football game. And we know that with OBJ, because when Baker Mayfield has to target him and OBJ was doing the same thing in New York, Mm -hmm. give me the football. And a receiver wants the football, even though he may not be open. He thinks he's always open, but we know that he's not always open. So I think this is going to create a challenge for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to try to distribute one football to four players. And the odd man out is probably going to be Scotty Miller. Look, the guy's 23 years old. He's a six-round pick from Bowling Green. He's probably just happy just to be here. So Scotty Miller's, I think, targets and receptions, and he's had a few great games this year. Uh, He's had two games over 80 and that 109 last week, and he opened up with a with the solid game against the Saints, but I think he's going to be odd man out. Tampa trying to go to six and two this week. NFL Week Eight in the books here for you. Your previews of NFL Week Eight in the books, at least. So, Paul, let the folks know um, um, maybe a, a one or two that you're looking at this week, or maybe that you've already played, and then give us some of your plugs. As I mentioned, you're all over the place. You know, Vegas Insider. We hear you on different shows, different podcasts, VS. Uh, I N. You're also on doing stuff on covers all over. So where can we find you on social media? And then give us one or two that you're looking at for this week. At Paul Bovey, I'm on covers. I'm on Vegas Insider. As I mentioned, I'm on that Titan Bengal game. It's the only one I stepped in at. On I'm going to uh, monitor the injuries, and I'll just give you throw one out uh, at you on college. I I did play uh, TCU over Baylor. Nice. I think Baylor's offense is a fraud. And uh, I think TCU opening a two and a half is a solid play. They're a much better team. Baylor accumulated a lot of yards against Texas when they were down 27 to three. Actually, half their yardage at 27 to three, I believe it was. And uh, I don't think they can move the football and compete with um, with um, TCU on that level. So I I have not stepped in on anything on the NFL yet other than that Titan game. So I don't want to throw anything out there and mislead anybody. I am leaning towards the Ravens. If I could get that at three, I would probably opt in that opt for the uh, Baltimore team. But I, I just don't want to commit and give you any bad information. I normally make my decisions after the injury reports on Friday. Because and you could, and that's what's great about w- what I try to do here is that when we go through all the games and talk about it, you know, th- everybody can tell which way we're going, which way we're leaning, what numbers we're looking for, all that kind of stuff. So, um, Paul, I love it, man. Uh, oh, by few- the way, do you know, I would, I would, if I was to take one game here, uh, one other game, I would look to the Saint game to go under. I'd probably buy it up to. 44 to grab the 24-20 result and a push, but uh, I I don't think they're going to eclipse that number in in that game based on the way things are looking right now. Paul, man, it is a blast each and every time uh, you join me. I thank you so much for all the hard work you put in, and uh, maybe a few weeks from now we can link back up and we can talk uh, a few college games and then uh, and go through the NFL slate too because my focus is going to start to open up, especially after Breeders' Cup. I'll start looking a lot more at college too uh, with USC starting. So, man, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, always love talking with you. You, yeah, you, I, I learn a few things from you each and every week. You, you help steer me in a couple directions, and we get great, great info from you, Paul. Oh, uh, likewise, Gino. I hope to uh, be back here soon, folks. Don't go anywhere. 
We'll be hearing much more on That's What G Said And a big thank you again to Paul Bovey One of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast Cindy Carava is a full service realtor And can help you with all of your real estate needs You can contact her CindyC.Realtor at gmail.com Or the website CindyCarava.com Anything that you need at all if you need help you know just finding vendors handymen painters landscapers she can help you with things like that uh, if you help need getting pre-approved for a home loan she can connect you with lenders that she works closely with she covers san gabriel valley north san diego county del mar solana beach rancho santa fe uh, this is a full service realtor we're talking selling purchasing and leasing any questions at all, shoot her an email or just check out the website, cindycarava.com. A big thank you to Paul for joining. As you can tell, every time Paul is on, I'm very lucky with the with the guests that, that I have here. Good friends of mine and people that I've become very big fans of. Um, that's, that's all the, the guests that you get on here are people that I've kind of followed along the way, caught up on their writing, heard them on a show somewhere, or just become... Um, you know, uh, an admirer of their work, and Paul is definitely one of them. Big thank you to Paul. Just a couple of thoughts, real quick, on on a few of my plays. So, if you can get Colts minus two and a half, look around for that one. I wouldn't want to take more than three. That'll uh, that'll be the first play there. They're playing the Lions. Bengals, look around for plus sixes there. I think that game is going to be a lot closer. It, it sort of feels like a trap game for the Titans. And I think the Bengals can score there with them. And the Dolphins, plus the three and a half. I mean, three and a half is as far as I'd want to go. Look around for fours. Those are out there. Three plays this week. NFL week eight. We move on from NFL into horse racing. Let's get you to Friday horse racing. So this weekend, there are a ton of different options for you for stable duel. If you're going to be playing in some of those stable duel contests like I am each and every weekend, you have Friday... Woodbine, you can play for 10 Golden Gate, Double Up And a Penn National Top 10 So there's a $10 buy-in at Woodbine A $10 buy-in at Golden Gate And a $25 buy-in at Penn National I'm going to talk a little bit about the Golden Gate card So we'll try to uh, we'll try to double this thing up On Saturday, there's a Double Up at Woodbine $10 buy-in There's a Del Mar Triple Up $25 buy-in There's a regular Del Mar contest That's a $5 buy-in And then Golden Gate has a $10 buy-in Sunday, the Woodbine Triple Up is a $10 buy-in. And then Del Mar has a free roll, no entry, free roll, $500 guaranteed prize pool. So a great opportunity for many of you who have heard me talking about Stable Duel. You've seen tweets, Facebook posts, Instagram posts. What is Stable Duel? I mean, I don't know. what it is. You're probably thinking, okay, this horse racing kind of looks cool. What am I going to do? Perfect opportunity for you to try. It's free. And you can win money. And you can check it out, see if you like it Or maybe test out a different theory If you're someone that plays a lot of different contests like I do Big weekend again Contest at Woodbine, Golden Gate Penn National, Del Mar And a free entry Double up, triple up Top 10 Another huge weekend With Stable Duel And let's talk about Golden Gate On Friday So um, we'll get to race number one. I thought the two gal walks into a bar looks like the one to catch in here. There just isn't a whole ton of speed. I don't know who's going to be going with her early on, and so it looks like gal walks into a bar should take this field as far as she can. Maybe you get 
with Marjorie E with the blinkers on trying to shove from the inside. I think just naturally Gal walks into a bar, is the one to catch, and that was a tougher spot last time out. Look at the two-back effort in a similar spot at Golden Gate on September the 20th. That's the type of performance you're going to get from Gal walks into a bar, and I think with that major pace advantage, she will be really tough to run down in here. That's the number two, Gal walks into a bar in race number one at Golden Gate. Anything around 5-2 to two is a fair price in race number three. Couple horses that I'm looking at in here. The six Trina did not run all that well last time out. I think a lot of it had to do with the trip. She was down on the inside. She got shuffled back. It was her first start since February, and she just didn't seem to like it down there. Packed it up early. Now she gets off the rail. She's gonna go second start off of a pretty sizable break. Was off from February 22nd to October 9th. And she has much better races to call back on. I'm expecting a big performance now. You're going to go first off the claim for a barn that's actually pretty solid with uh, similar situations like this. So Trina going to be in my exotics. And then the eight, nice and true. She's probably the speed of the speed, and she's drawn well towards the outside. She's going to have to prove she can continue on, though, after getting a little tired at five and a half furlongs last time out. She's got to go six furlongs in here in race number three. So I'll use the six and the eight. In uh, in the exotics there, Trina and the, the six Trina and the eight, nice and true. Moving on to the fourth race, I'm looking. They're gonna go a mile and a sixteenth on the turf course here. I'm looking to the six, Orma Dioro, who's gonna stretch out from five furlongs to a mile and a sixteenth. He was a step slow, and in his turf start last time out on September the 26th, and then he was right up to press. He actually tried really hard, and he took a shot at the winner. The winner was cruising up front, though, and that was a winner that came right out of that race to come back and, and win next time out. This damn one going long on the turf, Gold Dust Lady, and so with Orma Dioro stretching out, he's probably the one to catch in here and has every right to step forward going long on the grass. Orma Dioro, the number six in race number four, will use and will make a win wager at anything around five to two or so. Let's move to race number six, and I'm going to go to the number two, Sure Angel. We're looking for around five to one on Sure Angel. She's going to get back to the green where she's just better. She took a shot on the synthetic last time out. She's okay on the synthetic, but her better races are on the turf. Two back on August the 8th. It was her first start since February the 9th, so she probably needed that race. She actually ran well. She was right up in contention. She just got a little tired and faded. She's got some early speed, but her best races are when she can sit just off. And I think from the inside, she should be able to get that kind of trip in here. There might be one or two others that are a little quicker than her early. I wouldn't be shocked if she's sitting second or third, saving all the ground. And sure, Angel, third start off the bench, getting back to the grass. With uh, a sneaky turf rider jumping aboard. Very, very capable. Sure, Angel in race number six. The number two at Golden Gate. Anything around five to one or so will make a win wager. And then in race number eight, the number three, Lifeline. In a race where many look the same. Nobody towers over each other on speed figures. or Like Jimmy D, for example, has been outfinished by Lifeline. And... I'm going to take a price in here. Lifeline's consistent, has an opportunity to fall into a good spot, going to be turning back, so maybe you get a little bit more late punch. I think you get a good jock upgrade here. 
in a race where many look the same Give me a horse who's going to be a little bit better price And that is Lifeline, the number 3 I think if you get anything around 5-1 to or so That's fair So if you are playing in the stable duel Lineup, stable duel contest At Golden Gate Here are a couple of the horses that I would recommend You know, The two, Gal walks into a bar At 8000 would cost you on your salary cap So I would spend up a little there In the third race, I'm fine with going Nice and true, it would, would only cost you 3000 but in this particular Contest, there's only 8 races At Golden Gate, so you're going to have to Have a couple races where you're using Two horses, I'll probably do that in the third Race with Trina and with Nice and True 8000 and 3000 in the fourth race, Orma Dioro at 7000 And that'll give me the opportunity to sp- uh, spend a little more money early. And then that's fine by me because late, I'm only going to be needing, you know, Sure Angel, who's 3000 and Lifeline, who's 1000 in the sixth and the eighth. That'll give me a lot of room to work with because I feel like those two horses will probably get bet down a bit. And you, you may end up getting a little bit better value for them anyway. So, Gal walks into a bar, 8000 Trina 8,000, Nice and True 3,000, Armadioro 7,000, Sure Angel 3,000, and Lifeline 1,000 for your Friday Golden Gate Stable Duel Contest. One of the longtime sponsors of That's What G said, Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C E R A Candles.com. Do me a favor, folks, uh, when the holiday seasons come up in, in the next few months and you're looking for some gifts for family, friends, check out sarahcandles.com. This is a candle. That is better for you It's going to burn longer Not going to have any of those toxins Those carcinogens Those pollutants That are present in paraffin wax And paraffin is what a lot of the other leading brands use That's not what Sarah Candle Company uses They are using all natural soy wax You get clean burning high quality candles And because you listen to That's What G Said You get a little bonus If you use the promo code G-I-N-O It gets you 10% off of your purchase They have all sorts of different scents available For different holidays, different moods 25 different scents, 3 different sizes Fragrance oils infused with natural essential oils They even give you instructions and details On how to keep your candle clean Remember, you want to trim the wick You want to make sure to put the candle out Using the top of the, the Sarah candle And that promo code G-I-N-O Will get you 10% off of your purchase This is a perfect gift for someone Jot them down right now When you're looking for a a birthday gift Or that holiday gift in in just a few weeks Sarah Candles is the place SarahCandles.com C-E-R-A Candles.com Promo code G-I-N-O Let's get to Saturday racing And we're going to go over to Churchill Downs I'm not going to I mean like anything right I'm not playing as much this weekend because I'm already looking into next weekend and I'm expecting to be playing a lot next weekend. Just to be honest, the Breeders' Cup gives you better opportunities. You're going to get eight, ten to one shots that you probably wouldn't get most cases in this day and age of racing. So, Churchill, Saturday, Halloween, October the 31st, we've got three plays for you. One of them comes in race number one, and that's the six healing who just tried tougher off the claim. Yeah, Tom Amos claimed this one. Take a shot in a 50 starter allowance That group was just a little bit too tough You could tell he seemed a little overmatched And he, he just Wasn't really in the mix Throughout, a little bit outrun Now you're going to drop back, you're drawn well I'm expecting him to sit a lot closer today He should be able to keep up with this group Much better than he did with the last one That is healing, the number 6 Maybe an early exotic single And a win wager if we can get anything around 5-2 to two In the opener at Churchill on Saturday 
Going to move to race number three, and I'm looking at the four here, Xanadu. She debuted at Ellis Park and was very impressive. She sat off the pace a little bit, a couple lengths off, moved to the lead, and and really won nicely. Came back on September the 24th at Churchill, going seven furlongs, um, stretching out a little from the six furlongs in the debut win. And I didn't really love the trip. She broke well. She was right on top. There were three or four others who were sort of in the mix with her, kind of pushing. I much prefer... If you're gonna break and you're on the and you're close to the lead, go, go, open up a couple lengths and then settle. Let the horse get into a stride and then start to relax. I it was sort of like Xanadu was in sort not in between, but just never really asked for the lead and sort of I, I call it in between because you're not pushed for the lead, but you're not really grabbed a hold of and taken back. I'm expecting again. Her to be really close in here But she's cutting back from 7 to 6 furlongs So if they just want to let her run This will probably be a much better spot It looks like the only other one in here That is probably fast enough to go with her early Is Jerry B And I I just don't think Jerry B will will have that trip I think Jerry B will try to sit off her um, and, and I wouldn't be against Xanadu Taking a hold and trying to sit like she did in her debut I just want a little bit more decisive Are you go, go If you're going to sit, take a little bit of a hold And sit and and have that be your trip Xanadu, the number 4 In race number 3 Anything around 7-2 to will make a win wager there And then when you move to race number 9 Another race that we caught That just doesn't feel like there's a ton of pace in here And you have fact finding Who is sharp He's looking for his third in a row He comes back to Churchill Downs where he's won He's proven here He's wired a field going 7 furlongs He just showed he can wire wire a field going a mile And going a mile 70 He's wired fields at all different distances He'll uh, see if he can do it here on Saturday At Churchill The number 2 fact finding in race number 9 So 3 plays at Churchill Downs The first race, the number 6 healing An early exotic single Anything around 5 to 2 will make a win wager In race number 3 The number 4 Xanadu Anything around 7 to 2 or so We will make a win wager there on Xanadu And in race number 9 The number 2 fact finding Perhaps a late exotic single Anything around 3 to 1 Will make a win wager on fact finding One more racetrack to talk about That is Del Mar for Saturday Before we get there We have to talk about OldSmokeClothing.com Horse racing swag T-shirts with horse names Polos, hoodies, long sleeves Zip ups, hats With names of big races Slogans You can get custom designs And you can show the horse racing fan in you And hey guess what If you check out OldSmokeClothing.com And you use the promo code G-I-N-O No shipping cost on your order Free shipping with the promo code G-I-N-O Who are you a fan of? Tis the law Authentic Midnight Bisu Maybe you're a Baffert fan There's a silhouette of Baffert's head on there New shipments in Of trucker hats that they have Old Smoke Clothing.com Promo code G-I-N-O For free shipping on your order Let's close things out with Del Mar For Saturday, October the 31st Just a couple of plays here for me Just two of them again I'm not forcing anything this weekend Because I want to make sure we have a nice bankroll And plenty uh, to take uh, some swings next week With Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday Let's get to race 5 at Del Mar on Saturday I'm going to look at the two Beguiled in here She's going to get back to the grass She Two starts back She was getting stuck on the rail 
And there was a split second where Cedillo had to decide Do I go right now and make a wide move? And he did I think it was the right move Even though she finished fifth And she was beaten a couple lengths Because had he at least had a shot that day He at least had an opportunity Even going wide Where you're probably not going to win with that trip But at least you have a chance to get right up into contention Had he stayed on the rail He would have gotten stuck He would have gotten continued to get shuffled back And then last time out Took a shot on the dirt Easy race to excuse Now you get Pratt jumping aboard and I think this is a great, great spot for Beguiled. We're gonna get the two Beguiled, and we're gonna single this one in the late or in the early pick five. You know, the very end of the early pick five, if you're playing it. Any exotics and make a win wager at three to one. That is Beguiled in race number five. We move to the seventh race, and I'm going to Proud Emma in here. The three on paper, this race looks like there's just a ton of speed. You've got Elieraway from the inside who's going to go. You've got Muchley who's sort of a presser. She's our charm, is pretty quick towards the outside. You've got Cordiality who wants to be close. You've got Kahira who also wants to be close. I think this is going to set up very well for someone who can take back, and that might be Proud Emma. And she should offer you a little bit better of a price because she doesn't have turf form. She's only tried the grass one time. It was in a tough spot, and it was on a yielding turf course, and it was at the end of 2019, and we didn't see her afterwards. So plenty of excuses for why she didn't run well that day. And because she doesn't have a lot of grass pedigree, immediate grass pedigree, she should be around 5-1 to one or over. So that that's going to be the, the line for me here. Anything around 5-1 to one on Proud Emma, we'll make a win wager on Proud Emma in race number 7. That's the Catherine Crosby mile on the turf course Saturday at Del Mar. Two plays Saturday at Del Mar. Fifth race, the number two, Beguiled. And the seventh race, the number three, Proud Emma. Good luck this weekend, folks. Happy Halloween. Hope you have a great one. Start handicapping because next week is going to be Breeders' Cup week. And I am looking forward to those shows. So I'll be finishing up my handicapping over the weekend. The final post position draws and odds will come out Monday. My game plan is to have the... The the Wednesday show by no later the the Friday Breeders Cup show out by no later than Wednesday and maybe even earlier than that. So hopefully I can get them out maybe Tuesday night and Wednesday night and give you all plenty of opportunity to handicap and hear a ton of different opinions on the Breeders Cup races. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share the show around with all of your friends. Have a great, great weekend, folks. Joey Cleveland going to close us out with that theme song. Joey's working on a little update to the theme song right now. We're going to have to update the lyrics a little bit with some championship teams here in L.A. and some new shows we're going to be talking about. So, Joey... Close us out.